Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It's told of a farmer who walked into an attorney's office wanting to file for a divorce. And so the attorney, the attorney asked, may I help you? The farmer said, yeah, I want to get one of those there divorces. The attorney asked, do you have any grounds? The farmer answered, yeah, I got about 140 acres. The attorney said, no, you don't understand. Do you have a case? The farmer answered, no, I don't have a case, but I have a John Deere. The attorney said, no, 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 you don't understand. I mean, do you have a grudge? The farmer answered, yeah, I got a grudge. That's where I keep my John Deere. (laughs) The attorney said, no, sir, I mean, do you have a suit? The farmer answered, yes, sir, I got a suit. I wear it to church on Sundays. The attorney is now exasperated. He said, well, sir, does your wife beat you up or anything? The farmer answered, no, sir, we both get up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Well, then finally, the attorney said, okay, let me put it this way. Why do you want to divorce your wife? And the farmer answered, well, I can never have a meaningful conversation with her. See, I love that. No one in any of the services liked it. I love it. Chapter 14, we come to a story. An amazing, amazing, you know, when we read the Bible, see, I liked it too. Thank you, sister. I'll give you a copy, me and you right here, all right? Chapter 14. Well, that's two people that like it. All right, good. Three people that like it. There. All right, stop. Chapter 14, we come to a story. You know, when you read the Bible, you often you know, think the Bible's just full of wonderful, beautiful stories of love and romance and Jesus and, 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 and all of these, you know, great stories that are found in the Bible. And yes, that is true. But you can also read the Bible and you find some stories of sorted detail. You find stories that sound more like the young and the restless. You find stories that are more like Jerry Springer. That's kind of what we have here. In chapter 14, got a pen? Get a pen. You're going to need to take some notes this morning. Here in chapter 14, we come to a story of infidelity, a story of divorce, a story of remarriage, incest, lust, jealousy, lewdness, cruelty, brutality, violence, power, and political intrigue. It's an amazing story. Let's jump right into it. Matthew chapter 14, saints beginning in verse 1. If you're there, would you say amen? Amen. And at that time, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch 
heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Now, stop right there. We've got to stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us, you know that we have so far covered chapters 1 through 13 in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 13, we looked at, dealt with in great detail over the last four or five weeks, the kingdom parables. At this point in chapter 14, we are about a year and a half into the earthly ministry of Jesus. And it's at this year and a half point, you're going to see that Jesus constantly, matter of fact, some scholars and theologians refer to chapter 14 through chapter 20 as the retirement of the king. Because it's in chapter 14 through chapter 20 that you'll see Jesus constantly getting away from the multitudes, getting away from the crowds. And so theologians and scholars have titled chapter 14 through chapter 20, the retirement of the king. And here in chapter 14, if you stay with us over the next couple of weeks, you'll see that things begin to change just a bit. As Jesus now is facing people who are rejecting him, the hostility is mounting. The resistance is great. And as we move forward in chapter 14, in chapter 15, in chapter 16, in chapter 17, you'll see that that hostility and the resistance get stronger and stronger and stronger until we get to the place where they actually say, we will not have this man to rule over us, crucify him, and they kill him. So at this time, Herod... He hears about Jesus. He heard about the miracles that Jesus did. He heard about the... See, Jesus was famous, and his ministry was spreading. And so he heard about the power that he had to heal all manner of sickness and disease. He heard about the multitudes of people, thousands of people who were following Jesus because they liked to hear him teach. Because when Jesus taught, people understood And so thousands of people are following him. His fame is spreading abroad. And Herod hears about it. And it was at that time in verse 1 that Herod thought, oh no, it's John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. It is amazing what people think about Jesus. Everybody has their opinions about Jesus. I'm amazed at Time Magazine and Newsweek Magazine. Have you noticed from time to time they, they cover a story? I think it's just the peak interest. They cover a story about Jesus. And the last one I read was looking for the historical Jesus. I told you about that. Looking for the historical Jesus. Like, we know who the historical Jesus is. They don't. But everybody has their op- opinions about Jesus. Who do they say that he is? You'll find in chapter 12, if you've been with us, you know that, that the Pharisees, what did they say? They said that he's Beelzebub. They said that he has a demon. And then in chapter 13, everybody has an opinion. Even his own family thought that he was crazy. And people rejected him. And now here in chapter 14, we see Herod who thinks that he is the resurrected John. John. 
the bee. Now, you might remember if you fast forward in your own time, Matthew chapter 16. You remember Jesus was standing there in Caesarea Philippi with Peter. And he looked at Peter. He said, Peter, he said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am, is what he said. And Peter said, well, well, thou art the Christ. Peter was kind of the disciple spokesperson. And you notice he's always piping up, saying stuff, putting his foot in his mouth and all kinds of stuff. But Peter, he just kind of piped up and he said, he said, he said, some say that you're John the Baptist. He said, and some say that you're Elijah and some say you're Jeremiah and some say that you are that prophet. And it was at that time that Jesus looked at Peter and he says, Peter, I can hear Jesus saying, I know who they say I am. I hear you. But who do you say that I am? Isn't that, saints, the important question? It doesn't matter what Newsweek and Time magazine and what they say and who they're looking for and all of this. It doesn't matter. But the, what's, what really matters is what do you say about him? Who do you say that he is? I say he's the son of man. I say he was when I, the Bible says he was 100 percent man and 100 percent God, not 50, 50, not 75, 25. He was 100 percent man and 100 percent God. He was the son of man. He was the son of God. He was the man who died for our sins, for he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I say that we have been healed. Who do you say? I know what I believe. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Because that's what it really boils down to. Doesn't matter what other people say. He's a good prophet, good teacher, good man, great guy, great fella. But who do you say? Well, it was at that time that Herod heard about Jesus. Now, let me give you a little bit of history about Herod. Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch is the is the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is known for his great building structures. As a matter of fact, that's why they called him Herod the Great. He got that title because he liked to build big, beautiful, massive structures. And they called him Herod the Great. He was probably overcompensating for his short stature. He was four feet, four inches tall. Mommy, I was telling him a couple services, he reminds me of Danny DeVito. You know what I mean? He just kind of always talking and overcompensating. Four feet, four inches tall. He was short in stature, but I'll tell you something. He wasn't short on brutality. Herod the Great was a very wicked and evil man. He, he had his wife killed, murdered. He had his two sons murdered because he felt and thought that they might try to overthrow him. Herod the Great is the same Herod who tried to kill all the baby boys of Bethlehem trying to murder, you guessed it, the baby Jesus. It was said by Caesar Augustus that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. He was a very evil and a very wicked man. And so what we have here is the wicked father who went on to have wicked sons, Herod the Tetrarch. Tetrarch, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so, literally means ruler of the fourth part. 
He was a governor over a fourth part of Judea. He was an Idomean, which means that he was a descendant of Esau. Herod the Tetrarch was a party animal. This guy loved a party hardy. He loved luxury. He loved pleasure. And notice when Herod heard about Jesus, he thought that it was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Why? Because Herod had a guilty conscience because Herod killed John the Baptist. And because when it comes to your conscience, you may be able to wash your hands, but you can't wash your conscience. He was guilty and of his conscience. He had a guilty conscience because he had Herod killed. Look at the story. Let's move forward a bit. Look at verse 3. If you're there, say amen. I'm going to get ahead of myself. If you're there, say amen. For Herod had laid hold. Now notice this. Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude, underline that, because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. And so she, having been prompted by, the, by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. And so he sent and he had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. And then his disciples in verse 12 came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now stop right there. What happened? Here's what happened. Here's the story. Herod went to Rome to visit his brother, Philip, and he stayed with him in his home. And while in Rome, in his brother's home, he seduced his brother's wife. Her name is Herodias. He then talked her into marrying him and moving back to Judea. And so what we have here is a woman who would have to leave her husband and he would have to leave his wife so that they could be together. So this man, Herod, illegally divorces his wife and takes his brother's wife. Can we say Jerry Springer? <laughs> I told you. It's amazing. What people do for love, for what they feel, is love. So it was at that time that John walks into the king. And remember now, John is, is, is kind of weird looking. Remember what he wore, a camel hair Armani suit. He shows up before the king Wearing a camel hair suit, eating grasshoppers. He probably got grasshoppers hanging out of his mouth and dipping them in honey. Shows up the king. He looks weird. And he shows up at the, to the king and he says, King, what you have done is not right. What you have done is wrong. 
Now, understand this. As I thought it through, I was thinking, Herod, when you think about it, he could have avoided this. Herod didn't have to find himself in a situation where he was taking his brother's wife. He, did, he could have avoided it. But he failed to guard himself against temptation, which is what many people do, by the way. We fall into sin, and we fall into circumstances, and we fall into situations because we fail to guard ourselves in various situations and circumstances. I've often said, people don't wake up in the morning and decide, hey, you know, I think I'm going to backslide today, and I'm not going to love God anymore. I think I'm just going to fall away from the Lord. People, people don't wake up and think that way. If you've fallen away from God, if even this morning you're here and your heart's not right with God, and you've been away from God, can I tell you something? That happened somewhere way back then. That happened somewhere where you failed to guard yourself against various temptations and situations. The Bible says flee youthful lust, flee fornication, flee idolatry. And when you fail to do that, that's when you find yourself in situations like Herod. See, Herod didn't have to be there. The Bible has a lot to say about the Christian guarding themselves. It's in Job chapter 31. If you're taking notes, Job 31 verse 1, Job talks about guarding your eyes. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a woman? Guard your eyes. Not only guard your eyes, but guard your lips. That's very important. Psalm 141 verse 3, it was David who prayed to the Lord. He said, set a watch, O Lord, before my lips and keep the door. Of my lips. Guard your eyes. Guard your lips. The Bible says guard your feet. Guard where you go. It's in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26. It says to ponder your path. In other words, you got to watch where you go. You got to watch where you are. Ponder your path. Especially as believers and as Christians. Even more so for me, as a pastor, i got to ponder my path. You know, I was telling them some, about a year ago, I was speaking at Calvary Chapel in Miami, Florida. The pastor is Pastor Raz, and you guys, many of you know him. He spoke here, time passed. And, you know, I was out with my wife out in Miami speaking at his church, and they have a little house right there on the church property. And so Elvira and I were staying there. And you know how when you go to a new city and you're driving by this and driving by that, things look closer than they really are. And so the next morning we got up, Elvira and I, and IHOP is my favorite breakfast restaurant. I love IHOP pancakes and sausage and eggs. I'm making myself hungry right now. And so we see an IHOP driving by. Of course, things look closer than they are, really are. So, and we see an IHOP. Next morning, we got up. I might have told you a story. We got up, and, and um, my wife said, honey, let's go get some, some breakfast. Let's go to IHOP. It's right around the corner. Don't you remember? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to IHOP, and we'll walk. And because um, we, we didn't have a car. And so I, um, we got up, got dressed, you know, walked, and, and we were on, on, you know, looking for IHOP. And, 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 and we walked and walked, and walked, and walked, and we, we didn't see it. I, I thought it was around the corner, but apparently it was a distance. And so we got frustrated with walking, 
And, and I said, well, let me just call a pastor and just ask him. So I dial his cell and I'm like, hey, Pastor Raz, you know what? We're, we're out walking looking for that IHOP. I thought it was right around the corner from the house. And he goes, no, dude, it's not. It's quite a, quite a distance away from the house and the church. And he said to me, and, and again, you know, I dialed the number and I stopped and Elvira stopped. And he said, so where are you right now? Tell me where you are right now and then I'll come and get you or whatever. He said, so look around, tell me where you are right now. So I look around, I kid you not, true story. I look around and realize that Elvira and I are standing right out side of an adult bookstore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I see some letters X, 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 X. Oh my God. I can't believe it. And I'm like, honey, move over, move over. Come on, move over, move over. Ponder your path. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if somebody would have saw Pastor Rodney from the church, I just spoke there yesterday. They're like, oh my goodness, Pastor Rodney Elvira, I didn't know. I know y'all went out like that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See? Oh, but you got to ponder your path. You got to ponder your path. You know, one time, I, I didn't tell them this is the first, second service, but one time they, they, I was looking for, I don't know why I'm always looking for food. I mean, this is another time. I don't know what my deal is. I'm always looking for food. And this one I was looking for, I, I was going to stop in a pizza hut. I was going to stop in a pizza hut. And, 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 and I'm not going to tell you where this is, but it's quite local. And uh, I was going to stop in a pizza hut. And don't tell us you know where it is. Or we had to question you, okay? But, but I was going to stop in a pizza hut. And I pulled up in the pizza hut and realized that right next door was a place where my car didn't even need to be near. What did I have to do? Ponder my path. Get in the car, back away, either go find another pizza hut or go to McDonald's. I don't know. But you got to watch where you go. The Bible says, guard your eyes, guard your lips, guard your feet. And here's an important one. One of the most important ones I'd have to say, because if you don't do this, you can't guard your eyes, guard your feet and guard your lips. Guard your heart. Proverbs chapter four. Verse 23, it says, matter of fact, it's on the screen. Read it with me. Keep your heart with all diligence. Come on, read it with me. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. You see, keep your heart or guard your heart. Fellas, ladies, you got to guard your heart. You got to watch your heart. I'm constantly praying, Lord, guard my heart. You know, Satan's attacking your heart, what you think, what you feel constantly. Because he knows that if he can get you to succumb to your feelings in your heart and in your mind, half the battle was already won. So you got to guard your heart, put a shield over your heart, the shield of the word of God over your heart. Amen, saints? How important is that? Fellas, guard your heart. You know, if you work in the secular world, you know, you go to work and I'm just talking to you as a pastor here, guard your heart. Don't find yourself sharing your heart with anyone other than your wife. Don't share your heart with anyone other than your wife. As a pastor, we deal with this all the time. Be careful how you spend time at work and who you spend it with and who you're going to lunch with. 
and, 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 and you go to work and you had an argument with your wife the night before and you go to work and the secretary, oh, how's it going? And you go, well, you know, me and my wife, we had an argument, you know. I mean, which happens. Oh, right now, we call it loud fellowship. But, you know, we had, you know, some loud fellowship last night. And, oh, you know, and she goes, really? You did? Well, let me comfort you. Let's go to lunch together and you can tell me. No. Be careful. You guys got fitness in common. Yeah, well, let's go work out together. And, you know, you spot me, I spot you. No. No. Say amen if you know what I mean. I don't have time to go through everything that's here. But no. Guard your heart. Never, ever, ever. Fellas, ladies, never find yourself confiding in someone who is not your spouse. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.